Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Series called Like a Child. And the first two weeks we dealt with uh, My God is For Me. You guys remember that? My God is For Me. And then we dealt with last week, My God is With Me. And today we're going to deal with, as you saw earlier, uh, the idea that My God forgives me. And we're looking at it through the lens of like a child. So go ahead and turn to your copy of God's Word to Mark 10, 15. Mark 10, verse 15. That's been our key scripture for the whole series. Have you ever heard anybody say, when they get ready to land a promotion, I've got to to work hard to land this promotion like a child. (laughs) You've never heard that, have you? Uh, Have you ever heard anyone say, um, the only way we will win this national championship team is if we do it like a child? Have you ever heard that before? No. Have you ever heard a a family sit down and say, we're going to get out of financial ruin. And we're going to save and work hard. We're going to do it like a child. Um, And and, and the things that we deal with in life, you never hear this idea of of being like a child. But when Jesus showed us the kingdom of God and talked about entering it, he compares it to being like a child. Uh, He had his uh, kids come to him. Uh, His disciples were like, get away. Do not come to Jesus. Don't don't, don't talk with him. And and Jesus said, hold up disciples. He was always having to rebuke them. Um, They were always foot in mouth. And here's what he says to them when the children came and they rebuked the children. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. Meaning this, it takes a childlike faith, not a childish faith, to receive the gospel and to receive the good things that God has for us like a child. Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray that as I teach on forgiveness, that Lord, you would help me, Lord, to be able to share the power of forgiveness, Lord. That you would help us to understand that. I pray that we would receive it like a little child, Lord. That we would have a childlike faith in this place. And God, may the truths that we've dealt with over the past several weeks, that you're for us and that you're with us. Uh, God, that you forgive us. That Lord, that would sink into our hearts. And that would help us to serve you with all of our might. Now we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' good name that we pray. Amen. Carl Menninger, who was a world-renowned psychiatrist, said that if he could convince 75% of his patients in the psych ward that there was the ability to have their sins forgiven and their sins were forgiven, he believes that, that they could, that 75% of them could walk out of that psych ward if he could convince them of the forgiveness of sins. Because when you don't understand forgiveness, you carry burdens that God never intended you to carry. You carry guilt from years ago and you carry shame and it's literally like carrying a heavy book bag as you're drudging through life. And forgiveness frees you from the things that you have done, the things that you are doing, even the things that you will do because none of you, when you leave here, will get here and drive to heaven, will you? No, you're driving home. You're going to live real life. You're going to jobs. You're going to uh, do those things. But I, I see people who usually struggle the most don't really understand forgiveness. They have a hard time forgiving people. They're very judgmental. And they also have a hard time forgiving themselves. They talk about, why God can't forgive me. I did so much. And today what I want to share with you and help you understand by the time you leave here is that my God forgives me. That's got to be the beckoning call. My God forgives me. Now, don't you guys say that? We would say, my God, my God forgives, forgives me. me. 
One more time. My God forgives me. Some of you say, but I've done so much, Pastor Kevin. You, you just don't know. You have no clue all that I've done. God forgives you when you ask for it. You may say to me, I still mess up as a Christian. I have these things I do over and over again. I know God's just sick and tired of it. He's ready to cut me off and get rid of me. My God forgives me. That's what you, that's what you, if, you, if you struggle with that, you've got to repeat that to yourself. My God forgives me. Some of you say, but I've done so much wrong. There's no way. I'm still doing so much. And some of you in here today may, may say this. It's hard to even forgive God for what I felt I've been going through. Much less receive forgiveness from Him. And some of us today have been through so much. Maybe you, you're harboring anger, anger uh, against God and bitterness against God. And you're saying, I, just, I don't even know if I can even uh, ask for forgiveness because I'm still harboring so much today. I want you to leave with one simple truth today. And when you're sitting over lunch and somebody says, well, what did the preacher preach on? You can simply say, my God forgives me. Totally. Simply. My God forgives me. See, 1 John 1, 9 says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful? How much is all? All. No matter what you've done, the blood of Jesus can cleanse you from any sins that you have committed. And so how does God forgive? In your talk notes, write this. Number one, God removes our sin completely. How much? Completely. That's how God removes our sin. Look and look at Psalms 103.12 in the New Living Translation. The writer of the psalm says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. See, God no longer associates that sin with you. But see, we live in a world where people are still punishing us for things that we did a long time ago. Right? I mean, think about it. Doubting Thomas. We still call him Doubting Thomas, don't we? Guys, Thomas is in heaven. He's he's having worship service with Jesus today. And Jesus is preaching. Um, Thomas is there. He was one of the 12 apostles. But we still call him Doubting Thomas, don't we? Guess what? He's not doubting anymore. We should call him Redeemed, Restored, Forgiven Thomas. But we still give him that nickname. It's like Drunk Willie. Well, you know that's Drunk Willie, don't you? Drunk Willie has given his life to Jesus. God has removed his sin completely. He is no longer that. I remember when I, when, when I got saved, I gave my life to Christ. It was like I lived in a small town of 5,000 people. Yeah, it was that small. And so um, when I got saved, uh, one of the girls at, at, at uh, her work at, at, at the pharmacy was saying, man, God really redeems and restores people. There's a guy that got saved at our church and it's amazing. I just can't believe how Jesus saves. And it's just, uh, and this girl said, I don't believe any of that. That's stupid. I don't believe, I don't believe in salvation or God. She said, man, I'm going to tell you something. This guy, Kevin Bordeaux, got saved. Man, she said, who? She said, Kevin Bordeaux. She said, I went to high school with that guy. He was the biggest drug addict there. He, she said, well, you know what? If it, if, if it happened for him, it must be real. You know, people still think of you sometimes as the old thing. But see, God removes your sin completely. It's not like some sins he just holds on to and we can keep punishing people for them. But he removes our sin completely. Here's the second thing that God does. How does God forgive? God forgets our sin immediately. 
God forgets our sin immediately. Look at Isaiah 43, 25. This is beautiful. Isaiah speaking to the children of Israel in captivity of the Assyrian captivity in 722 BC. He says this to them. He says, I, even I, being the Lord, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Now what's beautiful is, is that the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe willingly limits his memory when it comes to your sin. How beautiful is that? For God does that. See, some of you would say, I still struggle what I did five years ago. I still struggle with what I said to that person a week ago. I still struggle with what I did there. And I'm here to tell you today that God forgets your sin immediately. When you wake up the next morning, you're like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry again. I just, forgive me again. God's like, what are you talking about, Willis? I ain't got no, I have no clue what you're even talking about. I have forgotten it. Not only does he forgive, but he forgets your sin. And I want you to understand this. That causes you to live under grace. And here's what it, that, that means. It's a life-changing, constant awareness of what I've been given in light of what I deserve. See, friends, we aren't born good people and we get better. We are born sinners who've transgressed the law of a holy God. And everybody, including myself, deserves hell. But God, in his love, in his mercy, in his goodness, in his forgiveness allows us to come into his kingdom and be his children. And here's my prayer for you today, and I've been praying this week, is that you would grab onto this truth. That you would not live under the weight of condemnation and the weight of your guilt and the weight of your shame any longer. But when you would leave today, you would grab onto the truth and say, God, you have forgiven me fully. You have released me. And you could live a life full of God's love and full of God's power. Now here's what you can't do, alright, when you leave here. You can't trade bad works for better works to get forgiveness. It's not that I was bad and I'm trying better and I'll get good and then one day God will accept me. Because many of us try to earn God's forgiveness by taking our bad works and just being a better person. Now realize once you've been forgiven and redeemed and once you receive Jesus as your Savior, His Holy Spirit comes to live in you and He'll help produce those good works in you. But you can't say, God, in order to be forgiven, I've got to trade bad works for better works. Now see, when I was growing up, we had a typewriter. Anybody ever use typewriters? All right, some of you didn't raise your hand or line because you did. And God sees you in your soul. No, I'm kidding. But I had to use typewriters when I was growing up. And when you mess up on a typewriter, that was the end of the world, right? Kids don't even understand this day and time. Now, the most amazing thing is when you had the typewriters who would actually do the whiteout for you. But you had to replace the cartridge. But when I did it, I had to take the paper out and I had to, I had to do the whiteout on it. And he had, I, had to, I had to go over the mistake. But see, that's what God does with us is that he blots out our transgressions. He covers them. Where we no longer see them anymore. We make a mistake. God takes his white out and he marks over it and says, I don't remember that anymore. But can I tell you what's even better than that? I, I do love this age and generation. If you've not moved into the computer age, God bless your little heart. Because I'm going to tell you something. You know what's better than white out? The delete button. The backspace button. 
It's like it never even happened to my Sir Pro men in the audience out there, right? I used to work for them. That's why I said that. <laughs> See, so when you make a mistake, God even takes it a step further. Not only does he blot out what you've done wrong, but he can backspace and delete what you've done wrong. Where he remembers it no more. The mistake is covered. I want you to realize that grace is essential and that's what grace really is. And if you have a hard time with grace and religious church folks have such a hard time with it because like, well, what if they go and keep sinning? What if they do this? Did God anoint you as the works police? Please show me your badge ma'am. Please. That's wrong. Did you see that? Oh my God, I can't believe that. (laughs) Grace is essential. And when you really understand what grace is, you won't keep living the same way that you've lived because God captures your heart by his love. When you understand that you've been fully forgiven, fully released from your sin. And today what I want to do is share just two points with you of what living under grace propels us to. And here's the first one in your notes this morning to write down. It's just two quick things. Number one. Grace propels us to change our heart's affection. Luke 7, 44-48 in the NIV says this. says, Then he tore, turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not even give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And realize how dirty the feet were. Friends, they walked in dirt and dung. It wasn't like they took the shoes off and had like, you know, shoe smell. They had dung smell. I don't care how bad your husband's socks stink, it's not as bad as camel dung. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. See, this lady had a lot of baggage. She had a lot of issues. People, uh, Most scholars believe that she was a prostitute. And she was redeemed. She found wholeness from brokenness. And when she did, she lavished love back on Jesus. And that's why worship is not a thing where, you know, where, oh, you know, Presbyterians just sit the whole time. Baptists stand but won't clap. Uh, Pentecostals raise their hands and charismatics dance. That's not how it works. A follower of Jesus should simply love Jesus and lavish love back on Jesus. And when you've been captured by grace, it propels you to live a life where your heart's affection is turned to the Lord because of all the things that he has done for you. If you're ever going through a bad day and you're like, I just don't know if I can make it. This is such a bad day and I just don't know if I want to just remember how much the Lord has forgiven you. And for me, I don't know about you, I've been saved now, it's March 1st, 15 years, since 1999. It seems like the more you live for Jesus, the easier it is to forget how beautiful it was when he washed you of your sins. That's why if if, if you're not getting baptized, I dare you to go to a baptism and watch it. And remember that day when Jesus washed you when you received him as Savior. 
think about those things because it changes your heart's affection. We have two rescue dogs. One's Bailey and the other's Ruby. And Ruby's the baby. And my wife was on um, Thanksgiving two years ago. My wife was walking with her, her mom in the, in the small town of Clinton, North Carolina. And they saw on one of the country roads a mama dog with um, three little, little baby dogs. And there's a little, little runt behind them struggling to keep up. And she had seen them a couple weeks prior when she went to visit. Well, this time she sees them and she says, I've got to have that dog. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission, right? Wives? Okay. Some wives know that. Others are still trying to figure it out. You'll, you'll get it sooner or later. Well, at any rate, she brings this little puppy home. And it was the runt. I mean, it was bad. I said, baby, I mean, it was like really, I mean, it just was in bad shape. I said, be prepared. This dog may not make it. I've seen this before. She said, all right, all right. You know, see, anyway, we, we bring this dog in. She does make it. She grows up a very healthy dog. But this dog, I've never, I'm serious, met a dog so loving as her. I have never met a dog. I've never, all my years, had a dog so loving. But see, she was rescued from living on the side of the road, rescued from sleeping in the rain. She was rescued from all those things. So therefore, her love is so much greater than, than maybe a dog that doesn't have that. And see, the same way, when you realize that God rescued you, God picked you out of the mire, God brought you out of your sin, then it's so much easier to just return love back to Jesus because of what he's done for you. See, it's the same for us. Reflect on the power of forgiveness. And that creates an affection for the Lord that will draw you closer to him. That's just not hard for me just to raise my hands during worship. That's like the equivalent of hugging your wife or your husband. Or hugging your child. Sometimes we just got to express our love to Jesus. That we really love him for what he's done for us. And here's the second thing that this grace propels us to once we know we're forgiven. It then changes our life's direction. It changes our life's direction. Not only our heart's affection, but our life's direction. Look at Luke 7, 37 and 38 in the NIV. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And most scholars believe that's the same woman from the previous passage we looked at. Now, if you've read this before, you know that that was an extravagant act of worship, right? A year's worth of wages was locked up in that bottle of perfume. But what you may not know is in the the, the Arab culture in that day and time in the first century is that when a woman carried the perfume around her neck, it was a sign of being a prostitute. And as a man would walk by, he could smell it and knew she was selling her body. And this woman here took the very thing that identified her with her sin and her past life and she poured it out at Jesus' feet. Saying, not only have you changed my affection, but now you're changing my life's direction. That now I will follow you. The very thing that held me captive, the very thing that I identified my whole life with, apart from you, I will pour it out no matter how much it costs. And Jesus, I will follow you. See, friends, when you realize that your God forgives you, when you realize the power of forgiveness, the very things that you held on to that maybe even um, you gained your identity from, 
you will leave those to follow Jesus. And here's the thing in America that, that really gets me. And Timothy, you can come at this time. This thing that really gets me. We want to follow Jesus but not leave anything else. We want, a, we want a, a religion in America to follow Jesus but hold on to everything else we used to be. And some of you today, you have alabaster uh, boxes and jars of perfume that have identified you with a past life and you're still holding on to that. And Jesus wants you to take that, pour it out, and change the direction of which way you're going in life. And that's what forgiveness does. Understanding that God fully forgives you. And let me, let me just tell you this. Because we live in, again in this country where it's, it's so convoluted. All gods are one and they all lead the same path. No, they don't. That's the dumbest thing. People who say that never study world religions. Don't say that. That's stupid. I'm just helping you. Like somebody who studied world religions, you're thinking that person has no clue. It's like saying I believe sugar will work in the gas tank. I just believe it. I believe, I believe sugar will be fine in the gas tank. Try it, honey. It won't work. But forgiveness, the only religion in the whole world that teaches forgiveness of sins, not based on works, but based on grace, is Christianity. Every other religion, you can work, and maybe God will receive you. Pray five times a day, and maybe he'll take you in. And if you're good enough, you might make the cut. In some religions, if you're not good enough, you'll come back as a a snail. Some religions, you try to be God through your good works. But I want you to realize today that Christianity is the only one, go study, that promises total freedom and forgiveness from sins. We, we were talking to a, a, a Muslim guy who was waiting on our table in Orlando. We were at, the, at this conference we were at. And we had to ask him about his religion. Let's, he was just sharing with us. He was the waiter. We said, man, just, just talk with us. He shared about what he had to do. And how, he, I was, well, how, how do you get to heaven? He was sharing all these things he had to do. I said, cool. I said, have you ever heard about free forgiveness of sins? He says, no, 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 no. We have to work to get ours. Wow, because what we believe is this. Isn't that that interesting? Have you ever thought about that? Wouldn't that be great to do so much work? And he's like, I never thought of that before. That's how beautiful forgiveness is. No other religion promises that. There was a couple that was married for 15 years. And they decided to do it, do this little, little experiment. They were struggling. The husband kept leaving the socks on the floor, right? The wife kept, you know, leaving dishes out. Whatever yours is, maybe it's backwards. But they were fed up with each other. Just fed up with it. So they decided to start this little experiment. And here's the experiment. We're both going to get a little box. And for a whole month, what's going to happen is you're going to write down everything that I've done wrong and put it in the box. Then I'm going to write down everything that you've done wrong and I'm going to put it in the box. And we're going to meet a month later and we're going to hash this thing out and we're just going to fight and go through it. And so the wife, she got there and she's like, oh yeah, you didn't do this and no, you didn't. She was just filling that box up stuff, just filling it up. She couldn't wait for that month to get up. Husbands, you know how wives are, right? No, I'm joking. It's just a story. I, I, just a story. Um, it could have been the husband. Just the way the story was written. I didn't write it. Just a messenger. At the end of the month, they had a dinner, and they, they exchanged boxes. The husband went through, and sure, and sure enough, it was socks in the hamper, wet towels on the floor. It was leaving the jelly off the top of the jar. I mean, it was just thing after thing after thing. And the husband gave his box to his wife, and it said, 
Each one, I love you. I love you. I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. See, I want you to realize something. That's, that's what God does for us. God, I messed up again. I'm just so dirty and rotten and I'm no good. And God says, I love you and I forgive you. Let's move forward together. Let's move forward together. See, uh, realize that if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent a Savior to fully forgive us of our sins. Today, I want you to grab on that concept that my God forgives me. My God forgives me. I want you to stand to your feet and the worship team's going to sing this song. And as they sing, I want you to take a second. And if you need to just say, God, I need to wipe the slate clean with you. I need to ask for forgiveness. And some of you need to receive forgiveness. And you're saying, I just need to receive forgiveness. I'm just not receiving. I need to believe I'm forgiven. Take a second right now as they sing and worship the Lord. And engage with him. I worship your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship his holy your eyes and in this place today so you can focus on the Lord. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, Kevin, I I know Jesus, I serve Jesus, I love Jesus, but I've been wrestling in this area of forgiveness and just pray for me today, Kevin, that when I leave here, that I will really grab on to the truth of forgiveness. I just want you to pray for me. If that's you this morning and you just want me to pray for you right where you're at, just lift your hand and say, Kevin, pray for me. I want to have the experience and just realize the power of forgiveness and stop beating myself up. Stop, you know, stop, stop dragging myself through the mud. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you right now, right where you're standing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those today, including myself, Lord. That struggle with the idea that you fully forgive us. That you forget our sins immediately. That you forgive our sins fully. That God, that you have wiped the slate clean. Lord, I pray for those today who are believers in here who struggle with that fact. 
that God, when they leave, they would every day wake up and thank you. They would bless your name, God, every day for the full forgiveness of sins that you give, Lord. May they experience that even today. May they sense the peace of God and the power of God that comes with the washing away of our sins.